It's time for the Predator Way Podcast. The show starts now. Yes, sir. Podcast on Penalty Box Radio. I am your host, Boyd Farish, and we've got a packed show for you today. We will look ahead to the stretch run for the Nashville Predators with some reasons for optimism, as well as some reasons to not feel quite as optimistic. Plus, I'll take some Twitter questions around Philip Forsberg and Predators prospect Luke Evangelista. So before we look ahead, let's briefly recap where things are today. The Predators currently sit at 31-20-4, which is good for 66 points with 27 games remaining. They currently sit in the second wildcard spot after Dallas beat Minnesota Sunday afternoon to pull ahead into the first wildcard. And it will be a race to the finish line with six teams currently separated by just six points. And that includes Vegas, Minnesota, Dallas, Edmonton, Anaheim, and Vancouver. But the good news for the Predators, the games in hand that other teams had are starting to even out. In fact, the Predators have games in hand on both Edmonton and Vancouver, and that will increase even more with Edmonton as they are playing Calgary tonight. So as we look ahead to the stretch run, there are a few reasons for optimism around what the Nashville Predators could do looking ahead to the playoffs. First off, the star players haven't slowed down. Roman Yossi is having the best season of his career, kicking in 59 points in just 53 games and could realistically break the team's single-season scoring record of 85 points. Matt Duchesne, 27 goals and 50 points in 51 games. He could very well crack the 80-point the plateau as well. Philip Forsberg continues his strong season with 27 goals in 42 games, and in the net, UC Saros continues to be an elite performer with 26 wins, a 2.44 goals against average, and a 923 save percentage. The star production is really important because as the games get tougher, as the defense gets tighter, you need those players who can create offense and generate scoring chances when the play gets tighter and offense is harder to come by. The Predators' top players being their best players has been a missing ingredient for multiple seasons. So seeing that come forward this year has been a significant part of the team's success and will need to be for them to stay in the playoff race. Secondarily, the team depth has kept up their production. Tanner Janot sits second in rookie scoring with 18 goals and continues to be a solid producer at whatever place in the lineup he has, he has been. Yakov Trenin, up to 13 goals on the season, which can't say anybody really saw that coming and he could realistically get upwards of 20 which would be a significant step forward for him and not only is he chipping in offensively but as I wrote for penalty box radio last week every line he plays on and every player that he plays with sees better results with Trenton on the ice and that is not only at five on five but that's on the penalty kill as well where each of the penalty kill centers that he has played with, their ability to maintain possession and keep the puck away from the offensive team on the power play 
has been better with turning on the ice. And looking even a little further in the lineup, rookie Philip Tomasino just recently cracked the 20-point plateau, which doesn't seem like a lot, but for a player who's been mostly on the fourth line, seeing a little bit of power play time, the fact that his offense is starting to come together and he's starting to see some of the production come into play could be a significant benefit for the Predators down the stretch. And finally, they're still one of the stingiest defenses in the NHL. Over the course of the season at 5-on-5, the Predators have given up the second-least high-danger chances and the fifth-least expected goals over the entire season, which is really very impressive, especially considering Dante Fabro coming back from a significant injury and now playing significant minutes alongside Roman Yossi, and Alex Carrier is still technically in his rookie season and is playing big minutes alongside Matthias Ekholm, forming one of the toughest lockdown defensive pairs in the entire NHL. So while there are a lot of positive things going for the Predators right now, there are a couple of reasons to maybe not be quite as optimistic. First and foremost is that while the Predators finish very well with their chances. In fact, they're one of the top shooting teams in the entire league in terms of shooting percentage overall and on high danger chances. They're actually a below average team generating offense, especially at five on five. If we go down the list of some of the advanced metrics uh, from Natural Statric, the Predators are only 22nd in scoring chances. They're 25th in expected goals and they're 26th in high danger chances. So while they finish very well, if that finishing dries up at all, or down the stretch as the defenses get tighter and the game gets a little tougher, the Predators aren't really creating enough offense to make up for the finishing not taking place the same way it has over the course of the season. And then to zero in in on that a little bit further, the Predators started off... 2022 on a 5-0 stretch, including beating Colorado. Since that 5-0 stretch, they have gone just 7-9-2, and the ability to generate offense has dropped even farther. In those games since the middle of January, the Predators are 31st in scoring chances and 30th in high danger chances. So when you look at the recent production the ability to generate offense has fallen off even farther, and that includes the 8-0 beatdown of San Jose over this past weekend. So projecting that forward, if the Predators cannot find a way to more consistently generate offense, and you see that quite often in the possession numbers, looking at game by game, where Anywhere from a period to a period and a half, the Predators are just being hemmed into their own end. They're not being able to create anything. And it also means in that period of time, they can start to bleed chances a little bit against. And that's really not a winning formula to make a consistent playoff push down the stretch. And lastly, it's entirely possible that they're just asking UC Soros to do too much. Now, UC Soros has been phenomenal all season and is a significant reason why the Predators are even in a playoff position today. But 
he's already started 46 of 55 games. That's a lot for a player that's in his first year as a true starter. And they're going to have to find some opportunities to give him some breaks down the stretch, especially as the playoff picture becomes more clear. And assuming that the Predators are still in a playoff position, they can't burn him out before the playoffs or else it's entirely possible. He's just not going to be up and ready to go as much in the playoffs after really getting burned up through the regular season. So that's it for the look at the head of the stretch run. After the break, we'll get into a few Twitter questions. Predator Way podcast. And now moving on to some Twitter questions. First from Cameron Shelby at CamShelby02 on Twitter. And Cameron really asked for a deep dive on the Philip Forsberg situation. Really, how did we get here? What lies ahead? What ultimately do we think will take place? So sort of cover a bit of history. Philip Forsberg is in the final year of a six-year, $36 million contract that he signed back in the summer of 2016. In the preseason media availability, he was a little bit cagey about his, his future in Nashville and effectively said he would play out his contract and see what happens, which, given the amount of turnover in the offseason, honestly is kind of understandable. Although it certainly did not inspire a lot of confidence among Predators fans when juxtaposed against the comments from Matthias Ekholm, who was looking to sign an extension at the same time, and he had basically said, I'm here, I'm going to stay here, I'm not leaving, I'm going to sign a contract, and let's go forward. So that sort of in of itself did not inspire a whole lot of confidence for Philip Forsberg's future in Nashville. Combined with results of the last few seasons and the, the turnover in the offseason, the comments from David Poyle about being a competitive rebuild, the expectations for the Predators nationally were pretty low. And as such, he became a pretty popular name among rental trade targets. However, as we know how this season has progressed, the Predators are in playoff contention. The Stars are playing some of their best hockey, and Philip Forsberg himself is having a monster season. So the assumption sort of rolled into Poyle might just keep Forsberg, possibly even through the trade deadline, and treat him like kind of an owned rental, and just see what happens in the offseason if they're not able to come to a contract in the course of the season. So as that took place, some of the trade rumors sort of quieted down and the, the team was moving forward. But then coming into the back half of January and into February, where the Predators had a run of mediocrity that we talked about earlier, a stretch of 7-9-2, and two, within the middle of that, a four-game losing streak, which led to, on February 23rd, St. Louis Blues writer Andy Strickland tweeting that the Predators were actively shopping Philip Forsberg. Though, full disclosure... Andy Strickland did backtrack those comments a little bit and said a better choice of language probably would have been that Poyle was doing his due diligence, not so much actively shopping. 
But still, Forsberg's name was back out and was being talked about as a possible trade target. Now, it is important to say that historically, the Predators are notoriously tight-lipped with contract discussions and possible trades. One can only think of the Ryan Johansson-Seth Jones trade, which pretty much came out of nowhere, and the Michael Grandlin signing over the this per- previous offseason, where reports came out in the morning that he was leaving, and it was only about 10 or 15 minutes later that, lo and behold, he had signed a four-year extension. So leaks and rumors are very difficult to come by with the National Predators organization. But we have learned a few things. We've learned that the expectation or the assumption that if Forsberg is going to stay in Nashville, his contract would likely come somewhere between the Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson contracts at $8 million, but below Roman Yossi's contract at 9.059. So presumably that puts Nashville's offer to Philip Forsberg somewhere in the eight and a half to nine million dollars, assuming a seven or eight year contract, probably eight years, and would be hard pressed to think that Forsberg is not strongly looking for some measure of trade protection, especially after seeing his friends Victor Arvidsson and Ryan Ellis traded in the offseason. Now, the Predators do hold a big advantage in terms of being able to offer the extra year, the eighth year. And really what that allows the Predators to do is maximize the overall contract value while keeping the annual cap hit a little bit lower, which would force any other team on the open market to go even higher in terms of AAV to match what the Predators can offer in an eight-year contract in terms of overall dollars. So where does this all go from here? Well, since there hasn't been any real information about what the Predators have offered or what Philip Forsberg is asking for, as the trade deadline gets closer, without that sort of tangible movement, the whispers that Forsberg could get traded will only become louder. Though probably not from Nashville, where Poyle has consistently maintained over the course of the season that he is not looking to trade Philip Forsberg, that he wants to sign Philip Forsberg. So one would think that unless either the ask from Forsberg is far beyond what the Predators are willing to pay, combined with another team offering an absolute haul of a return, more than likely Poyle is not going to look to trade Philip Forsberg. So at the end of the day, the likelihood the Predators and Philip Forsberg come to an agreement. I think it is probably pretty clear that Forsberg wants to stay, assuming all of the, the pieces can be worked out. And it's just a good fit for Forsberg in Nashville. So unless Forsberg has a change of mind that he really wants to go to free agency, or if his contract ask is so far beyond what the Predators are willing to pay, then he probably stays in Nashville. So moving on to the next question from Chris Green at Bellevue Preds on Twitter. And he asked about a player comparison, maybe from the Predators history, that would line out for Predators prospect Luke Evangelista, who is having an absolute monster of a season for the London Knights in the Ontario Hockey League. And things that I sort of thought about were 
the type of player, the type of skill set, and also the kind of ascendance of production. And I really wanted to look at players in kind of Predator's history that had seen their production increase through their junior's career before going pro. And two players that I sort of looked at that had seen a similar ascension were Steve Sullivan and Alexander Radilov. And when you line them out, it really is sort of an interesting comparison. Over two years, Steve Sullivan went from 36 goals and 63 points to 51 goals and 113 points. Alex Radilov went from 32 goals and 75 points to an eye-watering 61 goals and 152 points. So now let's look at Luke Evangelista, who last season had a solid year in juniors, 23 goals, 61 points, to now this season where Evangelista has put up 43 goals in 44 games and 82 points and still going. So it is entirely possible that Evangelista could see himself go into that 50 to 60 goal, 120 to 140 point range that would look a similar growth from Sullivan and Radilov going into their final year of juniors. And if you look at sort of the playing styles, I think there is actually a pretty good relationship between Evangelista and Radilov. Radilov was probably a little bit bigger in his junior days. Evangelista is listed at 5'11 and 165 pounds, which is fairly slight, but with that much height, there's definitely some space for Evangelista to put on some more weight. But two players who were good, but maybe not great skaters, but incredible skill with the puck. And if Luke Evangelista is able to follow the path of either Steve Sullivan or Alex Radilov, the future for Evangelista in gold with the Predators is looking pretty bright because Sullivan and Radilov have both had very good professional careers. So a follow-up question around Evangelista, um, this one from Kyle Perkins at kperk86. Was thinking forward a few years and wondering about the possibility of a Luke Evangelista, Cody Glass, and Philip Tomasino forward line. And honestly, I, I love that idea. That gives me all kinds of happies. And if you think about what that line could be just in terms of player type and capability, Cody Glass is a pretty big centerman, almost in a mold of Ryan Johansson. And... He can, when when puck battles, distributes the puck well, has a good shot, really a, a true centerman. And pairing him with someone like Philip Tomasino has great speed and really good skill on the puck, has a very good shot, ability to finish. That's a really good natural combination. And then you take Evangelista, who is an incredibly skilled player with the puck on his stick and also a strong two-way player he's shown he can do a lot of that in in the OHL and all of a sudden you have the makings of one of those lines sort of in the image of 
a Forsberg, Duchesne, Granlund type line where the players, their physical tools, their skills, the way they think the game just really fit well together and really accentuate what each other is capable of doing. So thank you to Cameron, Chris, and Kyle for this week's Twitter questions. Certainly a lot of fun to to dive into both the history around Forsberg as well as what we could expect to see from from Luke Evangelista. Looking ahead, as as we sit today on March 7th at the time of, of this recording, the Predators have a massive week in front of them. Starting uh, tomorrow night, March 8th, where they will face off against none other than the Dallas Stars, who have been playing very good hockey lately, coming off dismantling Minnesota on Sunday and finding themselves in the first wildcard spot. The Predators will need to come to play. And then over the rest of the week, they will play three more teams in the playoff hunt, including both St. Louis and Minnesota, who are ahead of them in the divisional race. So this week is a significant opportunity for the Predators to stake their claim to a playoff position and set themselves up both for the stretch run and with a more clear view of what they might or might not do looking ahead to the trade deadline. So for our next episode, we'll check in again sometime before the trade deadline to look at potential trade targets for the Nashville Predators. We'll see if anything new comes out with Philip Forsberg and if there are any big moves that take place around the NHL ahead of the trade deadline. And we'll look forward to discussing those then. So thank you for tuning in to the Predator Way podcast. My name is Boyd Farish and you can find me on Twitter at Boyd underscore 1212 and my written work on penaltyboxradio.com. We'll see you again soon. Be well, everyone.